Welcome to Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips and Scott Smith. And this is where we take all of your questions, thoughts, comments, everything you want to ask us about the team. And as always, we love hearing where you're watching from. I already saw as soon as people uh, saw that we were live on Facebook, we've got a Go Bucks from Germany, from Pennsylvania and Atlanta and Denver. Atlanta. I know, Enemy right? Territory. Enemy territory. Right, I hope represent. they're coming to the game. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, – oh, and one oh, somebody who's going to the Seattle game, which is going to be – They're going to go to the Seattle I can't tell if they're from there. They just said see you in Seattle. Oh. Maybe Wonderful. they're from there, but um, yeah, so this is pretty awesome. We've got a lot of people watching already from all over the place. Um, but yeah, this is where you get to ask us all of your questions, and as people get some of those in, we figured we'd start with the training camp uh, schedule. Um, and we actually had a question from Kevin about it, wondering with the new schedule, how many of the practices are going to be inside. Yeah. Um, so just overall, I figured let's let's start with the training camp schedule, all the things that stand out to you. What do mm -hmm. we know? What's <coughs> different with the new regime? Because yeah. it's, it's very much a coaching preference. On well, that to answer stuff. that question, um, they haven't specifically said beyond a few of them which ones I think they know but they haven't we didn't include that in the release which ones were outside but the majority of them are supposed to be outside now the fact that we have an indoor facility allows us the option to go in if right. there's lightning or, or just really really heavy rain I imagine they would practice in in a lighter rain um, but lightning you know previously if the lightning alarm went off you were you were dead in the water for yeah. 30 minutes at, at least. the least yeah. yeah 30 minutes and then if it went off at any point it, it restarted the clock so there could be more time than is originally planned inside the indoor but i do believe the plan is to spend most of camp outside and the good news is there's covered bleachers right and if you think about the way our fields are oriented the sun will be behind us will be behind the bleachers for all those four o'clock practices so those, that will really come in handy Right, yeah, that's true. So, um, but the big thing is, there's 11 open practices. There's another four for special groups, and there there are probably some viewers here who are part of those groups, like military or um, uh, season pass members, mm -hmm. things like that. So, 15 practices that they're going to practice in front of uh, fans, and 11 of those are fully open to everybody. That's a step up right. from last year, so that's really good. And then. Most of the practices start at 4 and go to about 6.30. Some of them start at 6.30 and go to like 8 or 8.30. Uh, there's a couple in the morning. I think those uh, at least there's one at 8 a.m., but that's for the military. There's a couple in the morning when we're joint practicing with the Dolphins. But most of them, the majority are 4 o'clock starts. And, you know, there's always going to be proponents of any given time. Do you want to do it really early in the morning before it gets really hot? Do you want to bear the 1 o'clock heat just so you can get used to it? I think the idea here is to make this more like what a – a day of a game would be like if you have a later game. So there will be some heat. We all know that. We live here. We all know it's still going to be hot at 4, right. but it'll be cooling off as you go into the evening. And I'm just thinking maybe that'll uh, give some other groups of fans more of an opportunity to come out. You know, the morning practices were great, and I'm sure that worked for a lot of people, but there's probably some people with work that they can either come by after work or get off work a little bit early. And, yeah. and so maybe the, the uh, late afternoon, early evening practices will be a real boon for some people. Yeah, that's a really great <clears> point. <throat> um, this is cool. I've seen we've got some people watching from New Jersey. I got a shout that I saw Texas and Biloxi, Mississippi. And we've got you all always get places. a Texas. I never get a Missouri. I, yeah, that's true. Which would also, I would count a Missouri, yeah, too. Yeah, Missouri, you know, that's Missouri. true. We, where are Missouri people? <laughs> we need more fans there. And I have relatives in Texas. So. That's true. There we go. Um, and Kevin had also asked, and I thought, you know, we talked about how the training camp schedule can kind of change based on coaching staff and what they like to do um he'd also ask what are the other differences you've seen in terms of the coaching staff so far of things yeah. that, how they like to do different <clears throat> things differently and what we can already learn about a, yeah. a bruce arians team well the other the the biggest thing that's been well reported so i'm not obviously this isn't a new thought but 
having so, uh, such a large coaching staff, when you have 90 players, like you had in OTAs, and you'll, I'm sure they'll do this some in training camp as well, you can split the practice in two. You know, Instead of just offense going against defense and whatever 11 guys are on and then the rest of them are waiting on that play for their opportunity for the next rep, uh, you can split it in two and have – you know, mostly your starters and top reserves on one side and, and your younger guys on the other. And then you can, you obviously you film everything. So even if Coach Arians and Coach Bowles or whatever are working on one side later, they can see what happens on the other side. So they always talk about how that allows them, A, to get reps to everybody. So your, you know, your seventh-round draft pick isn't right. hurting for reps. And B, you, it's a better chance of finding a diamond in the rough. And as we know around here from recent history, there are undrafted free agents that are going to make an impact. Right. I mean, we've really probably had more impact from undrafted free agents than really late draft picks. So uh, it's important. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing, um, you know, right at the end, I think after the very last practice of, of uh, minicamp, somebody asked Coach Arians if there were going to be many live periods in practice. And you know, you know what I mean by that, like when they're actually hitting. Right. <clears throat> you know, we haven't been able to use the pads yet, and I think it'll be three or four days into training camp when you can finally put on pads. And, and you're allowed to have contact in. So a receiver and a quarterback, a quarterback might press a guy at the line or he might go more physically to break up a pass. But still in most drills, you're still not tackling guys all the right. way to the ground because you don't want to take unnecessary injury risk. Right. But Bruce said, oh, yeah, when he asked, was asked if there were going to be some live periods, he said you can't learn how to tackle if you don't tackle. Yeah, a lot of people have said that that might even be the cause of a lot of those early season injuries. Possibly, yeah. Guys just not even being used to it and you kind of got to ease back in. Guys always talk about how – there's something about taking those first few hits and be like, okay, yep, this is what it feels oh, like yeah, again. Right, exactly. I had forgotten about that. So I don't know if that means there'll be a ton of them, but I mean, some camps feature virtually no live right. ones or, or just one or two. So even five or six or so would be a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Robert said, what is the game plan so far with the running back and what else have we learned about that group of, of people? Well, I don't think we know the game plan yet. I think what we've learned, um, first we learned earlier in, earlier in the offseason that Bruce Arians and his coaching staff really did think that Peyton Barber was a little underrated, mm -hmm. that they, they were a little surprised at how, how good they thought he was when they saw it on film. And then as the practices started, listen, I know it's just talk and there's no tackling yet, but everybody's been raving about Ronald Jones. I get it. I know you, you, right. you're not going to believe until it's proven. I understand that. But it's still at least a good thing. Right. It's not just one guy either. I mean, everybody's raving about how good Ronald Jones has been and – um, a lot of them say what happened, part of what happened last year, and this doesn't absolve the whole thing, but part of what happened is early on, I think somebody said they watched 20, his first 26 runs and on 12 of them he was hit behind the line of scrimmage or something like that. He, he didn't have an opportunity for success early on, and it might have hurt his confidence a little bit, mm -hmm. but they say he's playing with confidence now. Which is huge. I mean, that makes a big difference in any position. Um, JJ wanted to know, have we signed all of our draft picks? No, we have not. Okay, so right now it's Wednesday early afternoon. Um, so at the moment we still have uh, De Devin White, the first-round pick, Jamal Dean, and Mike Edwards, the two third-round picks. But I don't think this is going to be a big issue. I wouldn't be surprised to see all or, or at least a couple of them signed very soon. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Devin White as a first-round pick is the only one, you know, because the way the CBA is set up and the rookie cap and how each spot in the draft is slotted with a certain dollar amount, it's really not very difficult. They're all four-year contracts after the first round. So it's not that difficult for the team and the agent to come up with a deal. A right. lot of times it's just a matter of when's convenient, you know. Mm -hmm. So – or just hammering out little details. I would have a hard time believing 
anything will hold up Dean and Edwards, and that could happen at any time. Okay. Devin White could happen soon, too. I mean, we've gotten our first-rounders signed in plenty of time. I wouldn't worry about it, though. If it, if it happens soon, that's great. If it doesn't happen, it might not happen for a while just because everybody's going to be gone. Right. And so you can, you can go right up until the start of training camp as long as you feel confident it's going to happen um, because you don't really need that signed uh, uh, contract until training camp. Right. So that's basically the deadline to not miss time. Okay. Uh, Tony had said, what are the training camp battles this year that stick out to you? He said, I was thinking the safety spots are yeah. wide open. So I did this whole series of um, roster reset stories where I went position by position and kind of looked at what the Bucks had done, who they gained, who they lost, uh, some of the important numbers, burning questions at that position. And safeties was the last one I got to other than the kickers. And um, when I got there, I realized, you know what, this is the most wide open spot right here. I mean, there are – Basically two starting jobs, although I think there will be times when there are three safeties on the field at the same time. And you got kind of incumbents in, in Justin Evans and Jordan Whitehead, but Justin Evans uh, still hasn't practiced yet. Mm -hmm. Jordan Whitehead has not that much more experience than the guy we just drafted, right. Mike Edwards. You brought in Kentrell Bryce. Uh, there's a lot of candidates there, and I think that one's wide open. I think that's going to be the most interesting one to watch. I, I think – they would like Mike Edwards to have a prominent role pretty quickly. Okay. You know, if you look at all the guys that we have, the one guy that they chose, that this current staff chose, was Mike Edwards. He's mm -hmm. the guy – I was reading a quote from you – know, I think it was right after his draft or whatever from several guys – several quotes from several guys and are like he does this he does we this is what we want our safeties to do bing 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 he checks all the boxes so he's the guy they know is the exact sort of player for their system now that doesn't mean jordan white and justin evans aren't but mike edwards was handpicked for that reason interesting uh we've had several people ask about justin evans and his health and what we know when we might mm -hmm. know it so what what do we know at that well point? um so he missed uh what like the last six games of last year uh with a foot injury Mm -hmm. And then um, he was seen – he hadn't been back. He was still recovering from that or returning from that. And then he was seen at practice with a boot on his foot, um, but it was the other foot. And um, the, the best information that was given was that Coach Arians said he had had a procedure. So, But around that same time, Coach Arians also said that other than Jason Pierre-Paul, he did not think anybody had an injury that would keep them from the start of training camp. Right. So assuming that applies – to Justin Evans, like everybody else, it should be fine. Okay. Um, Rob had asked, what adjustments have been made to account for JPP being out until October, and what will the D-line feel – how will the D-line feel the impact the most, and do you feel like there are certain players that can step up enough? Yeah, well, there was not really an adjustment in terms of the roster. I mean, we kind of already had who he had. Um, the adjustment will have to be figuring out who steps up. And to, for one thing, first of all, just think about the number of snaps that Jason Pierre-Paul takes. I mean, this right. is a guy the last couple of years who just doesn't like to come off the field. And he was also the guy that gave us 12 and a half sacks last year. Right. You know, everybody is adjusting to a new defense, and basically for those guys like him and Carl Nassib, a new position. But they're still rushing the passer, rushing the passer mm -hmm. off the edge. So you assume they're still going to be impactful in this new defense. So, you know, I don't know if you could have counted on Pierre-Paul to give you another 12 and a half sacks. That was awesome. But – he was probably going to be one of your more productive pass rushers. So right. you're trying to fill that gap. And it's probably going to come from a number of sources. Like Carl Nassib gave you six and a half. That's great. If he can do that again, that's awesome. Everybody says Noah Spence is a, is a good fit for this one. Anthony Nelson is a guy that everybody's very excited about. It could just be 
sort of by committee. You know, you're right. trying to get a pass rush, pass rush from the edge with a rotation of guys. And maybe some young guy like David Kinney or Cousin Daniels is going to step up. Interesting. Um, Tony had asked, how do you think Vita Vea will benefit from playing alongside Sue? Oh, I think he should benefit a lot. In fact, um, from what the coaches tell us, even if Indomitian Sue, and I think maybe he had four and a half sacks last year, even if he doesn't end this season with a huge sack number, he's going to help everybody around him. That's he. He's a great run stopper. He draws attention. Vita Vea is already a guy that, because of his size and power, that teams are going to want to put extra blockers on or give extra attention to, and that's going to be hard with both of them there. Right. And then also from a run defense standpoint, with the two of them in the middle, that sh- our run defense should be a lot better. Right. Um, Reggie had asked who the backup quarterback is as of now and when we might know more clarity on that. Well, I mean, they get to compete, so I'm not – well, it's not me who would name him anyway, but I'm not trying to say I'm naming the backup quarterback right now, but if you just simply go by who was getting the primary second-team reps, it's been Blaine Gabbert. Okay. But Brian Griffin is clearly going to get his opportunity to compete, and he's done a good job with that in the past. What do you feel like each of their strengths would be that they would bring to the table? Well, Blaine Gabbert, the obvious difference between him and Ryan Griffin is that not only has he played about 50 games in the NFL, he's actually played in this offensive system. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I think there's little doubt that that's the main reason why he was a big draw. You know, he was with Tennessee, but then Tennessee traded for Ryan Tannehill, which made him a little superfluous in Tennessee. So right. when he was like, oh, we jumped on him because – that was a guy that they obviously felt could be a very valuable reserve. Right. Ryan Griffin, uh, though, has always impressed everybody when he's gotten his opportunities in preseason and even on the practice field, and I believe he's still doing that. So uh, he doesn't – he has the experience gap, and that's not his fault. He's just – it's kind of a catch-22 for him. He's never right. been able to get it, and so therefore he doesn't have it. Right. Uh, so I think that would be the difference. Okay. Uh, Lewis had asked, um, are the players allowed to do their training at One Buck Place, or do they have to train outside – on these off days, so are they allowed yeah. in the Advent Health Training Center the, facility? The rookies um, were still allowed to be around, I think, at least this week, if not another week. But no, I think otherwise they have to do it on their own. Okay. Um, and then someone had asked. Yeah, I, as, as a matter of fact, someone was asked about that. One of the coaches asked about it, and he said, I, I wish they would at least let them come in and work with our strength coaches. Right. Wouldn't so that be nice? I guess that means they don't. Probably not. All right. And then we'd gotten a question about uh, the O-line saying that it didn't seem like we made too many changes this off season, And do you feel like that could mean the running game could struggle again? Well, sure, it's possible. Um, and we didn't make a lot of changes. Uh, but we are making at least one change in the lineup, uh, right guard, where Caleb Binnock started last year and really had his struggles. Um, it could be Alex Kappa. It could be some other guys. But you also have um, a different scheme. I mean, that could, that could be completely different. That, that could make a huge difference. And then just guys continue to develop. You know, Ali Marpet might be even better. I mean, he seems to be getting better and better every year. And getting to stay in so, the same position for yeah. more than a yeah, second. That's I'm right, sure that's two helpful. seasons in a row for him. So. It could certainly be better, but I, I could understand. But that's the thing. There were a lot of areas in which the Buccaneers struggled last year. We were 5-11. and 11. The pass defense wasn't very good. The running game wasn't very good. Uh, you know, there weren't a lot of turnovers. There was a bad turnover differential, things like that. And you try to fix everything, but you, right. you can't add critical pieces to every single position every single offseason, especially when you're already kind of in a, a tough salary cap situation. So um, they're going to have to make improvements simply by maybe a few lineup changes maybe scheme change and maybe guys just getting better. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week for more of those questions.